Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Christian Merce, Senior Program Officer at uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Christian, how are you doing? Very good. How about you, Richard? Good. Thanks so much for coming. I'm you know, very excited to talk to you. Um, so if we can get started, you know, tell me about uh, your, the main thrust of your, your work at the foundation and your research. Yeah. Yeah, as you've mentioned, I'm working at the Gates Foundation uh, as a senior program officer in the agricultural development program. Uh, my background is actually um, in the IT industry. I spent uh, about 19 years uh, developing software solutions for enterprises, um, and I came across uh, the solution space, which is often um, called ICT for development. So basically the application space in emerging economies, in developing countries, and the application of digital technologies in healthcare, agriculture, education, and the like. Um, I basically look uh, as part of the uh, agricultural development program at the foundation into the so-called information and communication technologies for agriculture space. And to what extent um, digital solutions can be applied uh, to support small the farmers in Africa and and Asia in particular in India. So, what are some of the needs that you see in uh, in these countries for farmers, and how would digital communication help them? Yeah, basically, we have a situation that we have seen a lot of progress uh, in poverty reduction in the last few years, but still. About 800 million people in the world do not have enough food uh, to, to live a healthy and active life. And uh, many of the poor um, families are actually smallholder farmer households, and they live sometimes uh, with less than $2 a day. Okay. Um, so what we try to achieve is to transform um, agriculture to support smallholder farmer uh, families and to give them the tools and technologies to lift themselves out of poverty. We basically look into research and development uh, activities and um, also in terms of how we can provide better advice and information to smallholder farmers, but also how to optimize supply chains and uh, how to give smallholder farmers uh, access to markets. And with that regard, digital technologies can play an enormous role. Um, we see opportunity and the importance uh, in terms of 
closing the so-called yield gap to increase productivity, but also to make farmers more resilient to climate change um, and also to establish uh, systems and policies that uh, meet the needs of smallholder farmers. Um, And uh, just to give you maybe one example uh, of, of a grant that we have done in the last few years, with the digital green um that uh, is a video based extension system where basically an agent is facilitating uh video sessions uh, with smallholder farmers where they um basically showcase good agricultural practices and discuss them um within sessions of about an hour or so and with with that kind of digital technology uh, which is human facilitated um, that make use of very basic uh, technology and, and capture data accordingly. Um, we have reached more than 1.4 million farmers worldwide, um, and that I would consider um, as, as a success story uh, that showcases how digital technologies can play a role and how um, digital technologies can help to distribute advice and information that can help to improve uh, productivity. Oh, so you did uh, essentially a, a video presentation over the internet or what kind of a presentation was it and what what did you teach farmers the 1.4 million? Yeah. Yeah, basically um it's an approach that equips so-called extension agents that are employed by the government for instance. In India there's uh, an initiative called National Rural Livelihood Mission where they employ thousands of extension agents and they are visiting the farmers in the communities, in the villages. And they are equipped with PICO projectors. Those are projectors like we use it every day, but very small, very easy to carry. And um, uh, they also use basically small videos of maybe 10 minutes length. And those videos have been produced Within the communities, so local farmers are acting in front of the camera. They produce the videos on their own, and they showcase in these 10-minute videos, for instance, how to apply fertilizer, how to prune, or other basic agricultural practices. And so farmers learn from each other. They adopt Mm. practices from their peers. They are seeing it on, on the screen. They don't have to read and write or have access to the internet, but they actually visit locally in their community those sessions where they meet with about maybe 20 to 30 farmers. They watch the video, they discuss it. It's a facilitated process, and that has been uh, quite successful so far. Oh, very interesting. Is the presentation given by someone in their community, or is it given by someone you know, in the UK or the US or a first world country? No, they uh, actually train local extension agents. So these agents, uh, they deliver other, also other services. But uh, for instance, in Ethiopia, where the concept has also been applied, the government employs uh, about 60,000 development agents who do nothing else than um, visiting farmer communities and help them to uh, give them advice and information on agricultural practices, on subsidy programs on uh, products and services that might be available uh, depending on their situation, whatever they grow, what the soil conditions are. So it, it's, it's very practical, but often we see that we we can't reach the scale with that human-facilitated uh, model. 
And sometimes we also rely on other technologies like SMS or interactive voice response systems to supplement the human-facilitated um, advice, advisory and, and give farmers advice via SMS or radio or, or video, like I've mentioned, or uh, with um, uh, pushed phone calls and the like. So what is what have you seen as the effect? Have they, uh, you know, have farmers had better yields? Uh, you know, have they? I know you reached 1.4 million of them, which is amazing. But have they documented what the effects are from this teaching? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the other role that digital can play in terms of the monitoring and evaluation. Um, each session will actually be recorded. Who has participated? Who has applied the promoted agricultural practices? And uh, typically what we have seen is that out of the 1.4 million farmers that have been reached, each farmer views on average close to seven videos, and they have adopted about 42% of, on average of the uh, promoted agricultural practice. And that actually led, um, and that evidence is uh, based on on a so-called random control trial in, in Bihar, a state in India. And uh, that random control trial has proven that uh, the farmer productivity has increased by 21%. Oh. So they have achieved 21% more output, and that may not translate into 21% more income. But even if they uh, make 10% um, more income out of the 21% increase in productivity, that quite an achievement that make a big difference for them. Well, I could see how if they're in bad conditions, you know, because of uh, climate change or there's a flood or a, a drought or, you know, by increasing productivity, they'd be more likely to survive the bad times and know how to deal with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, agricultural extension is only one example of uh, potential impact where digital technologies can play a role. It's uh, digital can also be very powerful in, in terms of all kinds of decisions, uh, be it the farmer, but also uh, for other decision makers like uh, the government or other private sector companies that provide value added services. They often don't really know what is needed on the farmer side. Um, we, we have very poor data and um, we, we basically missing proper data that tells us how, what is the yield to be expected, what is the health status of the plant, what is actually being grown, what is the mix of crop land in, in particular regions and countries. And we have very promising technologies out there that can help, starting with uh, remote sensing technologies, for instance. Satellite imagery can be used to, to get better data, um, but also in terms of drones, uh, the usage of drones. We have experiments going on there as well, and there are also the sensor technologies that can help to measure other characteristics, for instance, soil characteristics on the ground. And the combination between remote sensing technologies, imagery from space, for instance, and on the ground measurements, and the combination with machine learning technologies can help to get very cheap, better data and insights about agricultural systems that can help decision making on, on, on all different levels. So what are you seeing? What's the misconception? What do what people think farmers need and what do they actually need? You know, what are the top 
two or three things that you've seen the farmers need, regardless of where they are? I think it's uh, we have a pretty good understanding what the farmers need. But then in terms of solution design, if it comes to technical solutions, uh, digital solutions, we, we often miss the, the lack of evidence to what extent really individual solutions have an impact on productivity increase or income increase. So the causal relationships between digital solutions and what we can achieve at the end on the beneficiary level is isn't but we're missing basically good data there. And and then it's also that we often see solutions that are built for one single purpose and there is no data sharing between, for instance, a rural advisory system and a market information system so that would allow to also offer farmers market information as part of the rural advisory. So there is often no integration. The data is kept single databases and they are not standardized in terms of being exchanged between different systems. So we're having a lot of challenges that one of the reasons why we haven't seen a big uptake of digital technologies in the smallholder farming space compared to industrialized countries in the U.S., where the whole precision agriculture technologies are becoming more and more ubiquitous. Okay. Besides the digital aspect, any low-end technologies or simple things that surprised you that have been a help to these these people? Well, sometimes it's uh, basic technologies that can help. So, in terms of uh, storage. Capabilities. It's often the infrastructure that we lack. Warehouses. Just the first mile of the supply chain is is just often it's a transportation problem. Roads are bad. Communication is bad. And uh, sometimes it's make it makes just a difference if you can store your produce a little longer somewhere. And we've also had projects so called pick grant where we developed uh, with a grantee bags that can help. Store uh, the produce for much longer than currently without that technology, and that is a very low-level technology. It's, it doesn't require any major investment, and uh, it can help to really overcome some of the issues like the, the post-harvest loss that we see, also in, in particular in in uh, growing vegetables and the like. So, what do you see as the uh, the near future and a little bit further out? You know, what's your roadmap and what new projects are you going to be uh, putting out there? Basically, we have developed a digital strategy that will do investment in four distinctive areas. Uh, we're looking into farmer-facing solutions uh, again in the rural advisory service space. We seen that the public extension systems are not working very well and that digital technologies can help also utilizing social media in terms of feedback channels, but also in terms of enhancing farmer profiles with digital data that can help to customize information to be delivered. Secondly, we want to look into digital financial services. So how can we build, for instance, on digital payments like mobile money platforms? and uh, built on top of that agricultural-specific financial services like index-based insurances that allow you to, for instance, uh, validate losses uh, because of weather extremes and then help you to pay out uh, farmers uh, utilizing the digital payment platforms. 
So those are areas where we also collaborate with our financial services for the poor program. And then thirdly, we want to use technologies to aggregate farmer demand and um, produce in terms of uh, achieving better prices, procuring inputs, but also in achieving better prices concerning um, the, the selling of their produce. And here you you can support formal farmer groups, but you can also do ad hoc aggregation based on certain criteria um, and, and mobile technologies like smartphone applications can help doing that. And then fourth, we want to look also a little bit in the long term into self-service smartphone applications that can help farmers to oversee their investments in a better way. So how can we actually help farmers to calculate the return on investment if they invest into a new seed variety? So kind of a profit and loss calculation sheet that we may want to offer them and simply establish a sort of a business management mindset to run a farm more profitably and give them really simple, simply or simple to use applications that they can profit from. And we have seen a few good examples taking place in India where we have some, some more commercial farmers that are using smartphones to some extent. But in other areas in, in Africa, this is a little bit far away. We're looking into countries like Ethiopia, Tanzania, where we mostly have feature phones on the, on the farmer level. And uh, then in Nigeria, we see also a little bit um, of an uptake of smartphones already. So that is something we consider quite promising and where we want to invest into. Are you seeing any resistance on the part of the farmers or cultural uh, issues or blockages? Well, it's a major change. And uh, most of the farmers are uh, 60 years uh, or older. There's certainly... A change in uh, so there will be a new generation of smaller farmers coming up and we try to make agriculture more attractive to the youth and that of course depends on whether farming is, is a profitable business but also whether you uh, can make use of new technologies and uh, within the younger generation I think there is interest and uh, curiosity to try out uh, new technologies. I think if you invest in parallel to the technology development into some change management activities, you can see a good adoption of, of these new technologies. But it has to go hand in hand with change management activities. You can't expect that once you have developed solution or application and make it available on an app store that farmers simply download it and then make use of it. We're not there yet. Mm. It requires some interaction in order to make them aware of the value add. And then, of course, it needs to provide value add from day one onwards. People are not very patient. They want to see the added value from day one. Otherwise, they, they lose interest. And that also requires that you have a good management behind pharma groups, for instance, that are convinced about these technologies. And if you then take it from there, you, you can really make a difference. Well, very good. So how can um, interested parties get in contact with, with you to talk about your work, maybe to collaborate, you know, how to contact the foundation? What, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, since we have uh, developed the digital strategy, uh, we have 
had several meetings with potential partners. The community of ICT for Act players is growing quite significantly also in the developing world. So it's difficult to keep track who is um, busy there and who are the main innovators, but I think uh, have done a pretty good job in the last few months to interact with about 60 to 100 organizations that come into question. So we have a continuous consultation process with them. Basically, the digital strategy that we have developed has profited a lot from profited a lot from the input from these partners and uh, and potential partners. So it's a relationship that we maintain for many months already, and we are collecting now early ideas and concepts and do our portfolio planning for 2018 accordingly, and then we evaluate these early concepts and continue with the most promising ones uh, to develop a full proposal, and then we have basically uh, a process that uh, has four Q-gates, so there will be validation for quality gate one, and then two, three, and four accordingly, and uh, uh, we will develop the concept accordingly in more detail. And then uh, after a few weeks or months, we are ready to, to fund a few organizations that we think are most the most promising ones. Okay. Well, very good, Krishna. I appreciate your time. And uh, you know, I'm glad that there's people like you that are trying to help farmers in these areas to improve productivity and you know, to help their whole country and get people out of poverty. So thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I hope it was not too specific and understandable. Digital technology sometimes is a little bit an area where we struggle to understand what is possible, in particular yeah. in in uh, where we um, don't see these technologies in being in used in daily life. But I think there's really promising opportunities, and and we we are very excited to to look into that area. Well, yeah, great. You gave me some ideas, too. I didn't even think of. It's amazing that simple videos to teach people without having to go to the country necessarily and, you know, be there in the dirt with them working uh, has such an effect. So that, yeah, I learned a bunch by talking to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope it was of value and uh, um, follow up if you have more questions. The Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference is coming to Dallas, Texas, February 16, 17, and 18 in 2018. If you know of a better way to get the latest insider knowledge about crypto, to hear directly from the top minds in this field, to interact personally with 800 fellow crypto lovers, hodlers, investors, miners, traders, developers, and founders, then I'd like to hear about it. If you don't, then you don't want to miss out. Register today for the Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Blockchain Super Conference. Go to BitcoinSuperConference.com and register today as a super early bird to get the lowest rates on tickets and hotel rooms. That's BitcoinSuperConference.com. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.